Hi guys, I'm Chris. And I'm Mike. And welcome back to this week's No Limits, a Mitrap podcast. How you doing this week, Mike? I'm really excited. I thought that came out great, talking with Andrews and Wilson, two great guys. And we have to give them a shout out. If you haven't checked out their website, andrews-wilson.com, they've got some awesome merch. And being the great dudes that they are, they sent us each an Andrew and Wilson's hat, mug, and a Sons of Valor t-shirt. So they're pretty pretty awesome. They're pretty sick. Yeah, pretty sick merch. Check them out. If you didn't hear our interview last week, episode 70, it was a great one. Really great to talk to them. Great guys. Yes, awesome to talk to them. You know, Chris, since we're wrapping up a book, I do like to share my thoughts Yes, in the form of a limerick. Give it to me. All right, here we go. Many say that rap is the last man you'd want to cross in Afghanistan. If only right now we had that man, boots on the ground with a plan. Hurley's candle has burned, and Louis Gould has returned. McReavers we lose, a toast with some booze, to a full life soon adjourned. That was a good one. Thank you. That was a really good one, Mike. Appreciate it. You really you really sent Vince out with that one Thanks, right man. there. Really I, I poured so. one out for him. I still think, you know, we're going to have to put all these together in some sort of limerick anthology and sell it <laughs> or give it away for free. But uh, We'll make an NFT, put it on the digital market space. Or, <laughs> there you go. We have our first Mitra Pod NFT. <laughs> That'd be awesome. <laughs> Who the hell's going to buy that? People are buying crazy <laughs> shit on, online. True. People are True. buying like pixelated rocks or something stupid for like a thousand bucks. Who knows? <laughs> no. Hey, we could become millionaires. <laughs> Or at least thousandaires. Crypto millionaires. <laughs> Crypto. Get that Ethereum. Tweet at us your favorite um, or the... coin, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Doge, you know. Can we start a Mitch coin? The Mitch coin. Ooh, I, I'd be more of a Kennedy coin. Irene Kennedy coin? coin. Or or no, 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 no. It's got to be a Marcus coin or a oh, Dumont absolutely. coin. Absolutely. Absolutely. That one will, will yes. go to the moon. <laughs> go to the moon. To the moon. <laughs> Robbing some banks along the way. I got some money in crypto. I should, I should probably monitor that, see what's going on. And when I say some money, I'm talking yeah. about like 50 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> you have one millionth of a Bitcoin? Major investment over here for this public school teacher salary, all right? You're just, you're just going to let it ride. Let it ride. To the moon, baby. All that from a limerick. <laughs> all that from one limerick. <laughs> Are we we're gonna have to just like we did a, a Stansfield episode. We're gonna have to do a Hurley episode. Yeah. After his time comes in in the Survivor, but I don't know. I I did enjoy this chapter a lot. Like you said, it was just nice to spend time with these four characters a little bit more at ease. Did you hear Mitch say he almost the first time he saw Hurley since the diagnosis, he almost wanted to get up and hug him. Yeah, he did say that again. This out of character changing rap post concussion, like 
the fact that he had that impulse to want to go hug Hurley, like. But then he says something tells me I'm not a hugger, right? Or like he he doesn't someone like doesn't like to be touched. Yeah, his natural instinct is like no, repress that, get rid of it. Yeah, it's just so different. Like again, you you remember I was gushing over this consent to kill epilogue. That is my favorite scene of rap. Uh, all writing events, I, I still to this day say the epilogue of Consent to Kill is my favorite scene Vince ever wrote. But this this one is is almost going pound for pound with that in terms of the emotional punch. And Hurley saying this, offering this toast, two books after American Assassin, like we just read American Assassin. We just read Killshot. Right. We were so bought into him, but we know this is what? 20 plus years later, four years since Consent to Kill. So it, we're definitely over 20 years from American Assassin. I think Rap should be in his mid-40s. Well, he's, he, Rap says he's in it. So it was interesting that a lot of times we don't get definitive timelines in these right. books. But they say multiple times it's been four years since his, Anna's death. Scott is almost 50. Like it, that's a reference. Like Scott is pushing close to fifty, which I thought was interesting. Rap says Hurley is in his either late seventies or or early eighties, and when Mitch brings up Scott's, he says that he's a little bit younger than him. So I think he's in his mid early to mid forties. So yeah, it's twenty years since Consent to Kill. Ah, oh, yeah. And we're losing Hurley, and we're losing Vince. It's very sad. It's a good book. It's a really good book. It's just uh it's a tri- it's a tribute. I mean it's just uh it's his swan song. It's 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 beautiful. Chris, I don't want to jump ahead cuz we've got a little bit more of this story to tell. But I'm going to rate this one really 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 high. And the scenes we just went over are the reason why. I, this was this is really high up my list. I I, I'm i going to give it to you at the end of this episode. Don't be surprised if if it's in my top three. Oh, wow. Yeah. All, right. All right. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, we, we just have to kind of round out the story here. We've got a couple other storylines that we haven't even gotten into. That's how packed it is. It's a pretty short book, too, is it not? So much happens. It read, yeah. It's only it's only fifty nine chapters, right? And I think on the audiobook it's only like ten and a half hours. So it's it's not like consent to kill. Hell no. I feel like so much it's, happens it's, though. Oh, it's it's jam packed. This is a tight book. It, it is. It's a really tight, just well structured, and executed book. Not a single word is is unnecessary. Right. You the know, economy of language. Every. every very very economical yeah whereas some other books are just like they're good but i don't know i I keep coming back to uh, what's our least favorite book pursuit Pursuit of of honor or executive power executive power maybe executive power is up there yeah that's true they're the the bottom dwellers the bottom two there are thor dark world or uh (laughs) that's right you know that's right Iron, Iron, Iron Man. We've theory. been through this though. We but, still love them. We will still read them. We still recommend them if you're doing a read through of the series. Of course, but they're not the strongest. Of course, 
it, it's wild because, like I said earlier, I, I usually offer as a critique too many characters jumbling the storylines and the plot. But that doesn't happen here. And we still get so many characters mentioned, but they play a purpose. I'm just thinking of the CIA, right? When when Kennedy's in her meetings or when Kennedy's in her office, there's this Brad Stopher who is deputy director of, of something or other. But he's the one who picks up on the sitting bull, which I mentioned earlier, this little leak that Rickman gives in the interrogation video to up the ante a little bit. So you got that guy. He's advising Kennedy, gives her a call. And then you have an assistant, this guy named Eugene. I think he gives Kennedy her phone and says, like, somebody's calling or whatever. I'm like, why is this Eugene kid mentioned twice, her personal assistant? And then at one point, Betty Warner comes in. But Betty Warner was Kennedy's PR person, her public relations person, who's kind of keeping her in check, saying, like, you also have to be aware that the CIA needs good press, that this is a shitstorm, and, and part of your role as director is putting a spin on things in, in the public eye. You know, we, we got to get a hold of that. And then there's Schleeman, who's in a couple of these meetings. And I, I just, I don't know if any of these people are ever mentioned again, but what they do for me is show Kennedy's leadership. Her ability to use her people and put them in the right places, it works. All of these name drops, they show the complexity of the CIA, its its daily operations, and, and Kennedy's job. And I'm also like, maybe it's a breadcrumb of where Vince wants to go. Who's to say that Eugene doesn't, or, or in Vince's mind, wouldn't crop up in three books? What happens to Kennedy's personal assistant who saw his saw her papers or heard her conversations or Betty Warner, her PR person who maybe turns on her? You know, three stories from now, Betty Warner thinks Kennedy isn't doing a good enough job in front of camera and starts trying to shake things up. Like, are these name drops maybe also Vince knowing he maybe doesn't have many books left to write? including people or characters that he's kind of thought about tangentially and could maybe plant some seeds of what can grow in future books. Either way, it worked, and it didn't muddy things. A bunch of name drops, where usually I see that as a, as a problem. Here, I think it's just adding to the story and the texture of this environment, this operating environment. But yeah, I mean, that, yeah, exactly. that leads to the FBI. We even get more characters piled on. We've had the State Department. We've had the CIA, uh, you know, and now we also have more characters in the FBI. Because I think, like you said in the beginning, it it's very real, like how this would actually right. happen. Like that, all these people coming into our office, that's exactly how it would work. You know, you wouldn't, and I'm just, sometimes I think like to think about this in terms of like a movie or, or a TV show, you would have these people, you know, you would cast like some not a big name actor but you would have them just come in and you might you may not get their name like they would have credit but that's what you would see and but oftentimes in books we you know just the words are given to more important characters right. but yeah no you're exactly right but yeah so this this whole FBI thing another element to Rickman's plot where he he knows he needs to sow some seeds Mitch and Rickman were, were were taking money. And I was wondering, why did he want to do that to himself? 
Because he's he dead. knew that he was going to yeah, die. Yeah, he's dead. He's dead. He doesn't matter. He just makes the he just wants to make the CIA look bad, right? right? Makes it seem that this Swiss banker, Er Olbrecht, who happens to be Louis's handler right. and personal financier, set up these bank accounts. Also set up a bank account for Ashan. The Pakistani. So, and yeah. I'm guessing that I'm guessing that's something that Durrani had, yeah, had him to do implicate to, him in all this as to well. Implicate him and feeds it to a United States senator who he knows will feed it to someone in the FBI who is super eager. We get this character, Joel Wilson. Kind of a puss. I feel bad for him at times. Because he, he was just given this information and like, but he should have known to like run it up the command. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I, I guess I shouldn't say feel bad for him because he is a misogynistic asshole. Like that whole side thing with True. him, you know, hinting at like sexually molesting or at least sexually harassing uh, Sydney Hyatt. Hyatt. Work, so yep. yeah, she used Hyatt. to work for him. All right. I, I don't feel bad for him anymore. He's a puss. <laughs> but yeah but i think I, but hold on when we first met him i almost in my mind go oh he might be the good guy at the fbi who will be able to liaise with the cia like a skip mcmahon because it says mm-hmm. a line like <clears throat> he wanted to cut through the red tape he didn't like the superiors in the organization holding back him investigating and getting the job done and so i was like all right, hooray, like somebody who's going to do whatever it takes to, you know, be our law enforcement. So I kind of see where you're coming from with the sympathy. And then when we learn he is a misogynistic asshole, I think Vince maybe wanted to toy with you, the reader, a little bit like, who is this guy? But then that helps paint the picture that, yeah, he going to do something bad. And he had he had so many chances to get out exactly. of it. Even like at the very end, when Kennedy comes in and and he's with all of his bosses, and they're like, "You should first of all, you get this from an anonymous source that you vet. You get to you get a private meeting with a Swiss banker. You didn't think to go talk to our, our finance people. Yep. They would have told you this is weird. Yep, like Swiss bankers don't just talk to people. Yep." And they don't and give up. They info don't just let you clients. know. Give up. No, that's why people use the Swiss banks. You know? Right. You're being played. It's disinformation campaign. It, it's like but some of ego. the Russians would do. As, his as Stan ex- would say. Like Stan says. His right. Ego got to him. Yeah. Right. But his ego gets in the way of, of all that. Kennedy comes into the meeting, lays the smack down, shows him his NDA that he was not supposed to be doing this stuff. And it potentially could be treasonous to stand down. Yet he continues to go to Senator Fisk. What did you think about while, while we're talking about him, at the very end? Kennedy flips Fisk and like puts him in her pocket Ferris. at the very end. I like, uh, sorry, Ferris. I like that. It's another one of these G moves by Kennedy. Like she pulls the ace card. So she pulls the ace card with Louis Gould. We didn't talk about that earlier when she says. I've actually been in contact with Claudia this whole time over these last four years. So she takes Louie, who is kind of antagonizing her and the CIA, saying, you can't hold me. What do you want with me? I have nothing to do with this. And she has a trump card. And then with Joel Wilson, when the director of the FBI is chewing out Wilson and he doesn't get it, 
He's like, no, you're corrupt too. CIA's corrupt. Leadership at the FBI's corrupt. I have the evidence. I have a senator on my side. You know, just think, I'm going to expose this. I'm going to have a congressional hearing. Yada, yada, yada. Well, Kennedy again pulls the ace card. She goes, you're actually breaking the law. Not to mention when you went to Afghanistan and you tried to get involved with an investigation, you also didn't follow the protocols of checking in and registering with the right people. So you probably broke some other national security laws by trying to investigate the U.S. military on their property without proper protocols being followed. And now she's pulling the ace card on the senator saying, how can you, as a senator of the United States, supposed to faithfully execute the laws, be disclosing all this information to a low-level FBI guy? Like... This is a complete screw-up on all levels, and all these people thought they were so secure in what they were doing, and all it takes is the mind of Irene Kennedy, you know, to go toe-to-toe with them. And now, he's working for her, and she says, Senator, you have two options. You can go out there in the committee room, and you could be very pro-CIA, and you can vote, (laughs) and you can propose legislation that lets the CIA do their business— or, and guess who else is in the car? Mitch Rapp. And I think Mitch Rapp turns around and says, or I'll show up in the middle of the night. <laughs> well, no, the second option is you can go to jail. You go to the jail. Third option, He's the third option. Exactly. Mitch, bringing, that, bringing back in that third option, Mitch uh, leans in, I think, as they're walking out of the, the limo, was like, or the third option is I slit your fucking throat. You in know? the middle of the night. I kill you. Yep. In the middle of the night. I come t- I come pay you a visit. Yep. That that was awesome. Yep, yep. She turned him. She she turned a sitting US senator who thought he had information to bring down the CIA and Kennedy makes him an agent. Like that's awesome. You have to think like all right. Pretend this information was given to I don't know, let, let's say the New York Times or the Washington Post. Like what sort of investigation would they have done to prove this anonymous source information they wouldn't have just run it on the front page you know well nowadays which is essentially oh uh, yeah i, I guess, mean old I school know, journalism you would heck no you would have hoped you would have hoped you would have tanked a media organization in the 80s in the 90s like it would have tanked if you ran information that turned out to be unverified that turned out to be false and you, i guess you're it, right. nowadays it would have ruined matter. your reputation now as long as it gets you the clicks you're making money. Yeah, they don't care. You're making money. I'm just thinking of like a Woodward, a Woodward and Bernstein type investigation. You know, they would have done a better job than than Joel Wilson in figuring out. I think this that's out. how Joel Wilson sees himself, though. Like he's going to be that guy who does mm, that true. level of investigation, analysis, and reporting, and he's going to basically take over the FBI by proving that he he's so good at this. And, you know, he's a dirtbag. He, the way he even talks to Hargraves and his boss, not the director of the FBI, but his, his mid-level boss, Hargraves tells him, stand down. You, you can't act this fast. And Hargraves even gives him a chance and says, look, I'll let you follow up some of these leads. Go to Afghanistan. Follow proper protocol. Check in with me every day. Phone call every single day to tell me how it's going. And Wilson blows that off too. So he, he just, he's so blinded, so blinded mm. by his ego. It's, it's unbelievable. 
Yes, it is. Well, one thing we haven't really touched on yet is um, Durrani and Sean. Mm -hmm. So we meet them at the very beginning. They're talking about, obviously, Rickman being taken. Ashan seems to be more pro-American. She, He has a relationship with, or pro-America, has a relationship with Irene. Um, he suspects that Durrani had something to do with this. And I like, you know, Vince always tries to weave in current affairs. And they talk a lot about how the ISI potentially played a role in harboring. Bin Laden. In, in Bin and Durrani, right? too. And, set and, it up. And Durrani, <laughs> Durrani set it up. And I, I love those little, like, real real world tidbits that Vince Vince puts in. And Ashan calls him on Durrani. He's like, no, I didn't, I didn't do this. And then, lo and behold, Durrani was the one who was directly involved with, with, uh, taking Rickman and Ashan again is a a good guy I, I guess you would say and right. he takes the fall because of what Durrani does uh, and then we get that that scene at the very end where Irene comes yes and she lays the hammer yes. again she lays down multiple hammers yes. with the director of the ISI Durrani Ashan some other guys there and doesn't doesn't call out Durrani. Doesn't say like even though she knows mm-hmm. because they they figured it out because his guy defected in, in Zurich. Yeah, that general Kasim, um, but begins to lay out this evidence and then shows shows Taj the picture. So, what do those men look like? What ethnicity would you say they are? And he's like um, Pakistani. Yep. <laughs> Why would four Pakistani men in a car be doing in Zur- Zurich after this banker? Who apparently After funded Rap and Rickman and embezzled millions from the CIA and stole it? Why would four Pakistani dudes be looking into it? And why is Ashan one of your men in the ISI? Why is his name also on the accounts? Exactly. So, somewhat. This is all a, a deep, you know, lies upon lies. Something that the Russians would do, as 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 her right. would say. So I pulled the quote. When Kennedy lays the smackdown. We talked about all the other times she dropped the hammer so far in this book. Well, here's another one. She says to the director of the ISI, Durrani, Ashan, all these guys. She, think of a woman, right? Just going into this high-level right, exactly. uh, meeting with the Pakistani leadership. And she says, quote, When I find out who was behind it, I will make them pay dearly. It might not happen immediately, but eventually... People will disappear. They will pay for this little gambit with their lives, and I will make it my goal in life to penetrate this organization and steal everything that is valuable. And when I'm done, I will leave behind so much disinformation that it will sow seeds of dissent for decades to come. This organization will cease to be effective. It will be an organization afraid of its own shadows, and don't doubt me for a second. I have the budget, the fortitude, and the talent to make this happen. So you can tell your cohorts, like General Durrani, that this is their last chance. I want Joe Rickman back, and I want him back in the next 24 hours, or this is going to get extremely uncomfortable for everyone. Imagine these men in Pakistan hearing that from a woman in their office on their turf. Love it. Absolutely love it. She lays a smackdown. That she does. So I guess the last thing we have to talk about is uh, finishing yeah. up how how rap figures it out. So we mentioned that scene in the 
the Shenandoah where they're all talking and rap is his memory slowly coming back and then we then go to another scene where they're all at the CIA headquarters and they're talking about all right they're they're relieved everything's fine but rap begins to doubt himself and he finally says like something's not right and this is what puts it into place everything and then they dig deeper into this banker Ulbrich and they they finally decide after talking with Gould because they they get information with from Gould a little bit and then him and Hurley go over to Switzerland I love these scenes where like the four of them uh I think Hurley Mitch Hayek and Dumond are in the car and Dumond is like trying to crack into the right. bankers we we never like understand like why this banker had such high security right. I guess because he's doing some bad. I wonder if that's like touched upon in the later survivor. In, in, in the survivor. I mean, Durrani is is doing everything for him, so he's got an entire nation state. This banker essentially true to to protect them, and we know the ISI probably has other foreign connections as well. So, All right. So Stan and Mitch go to see this banker, and Hurley has the bright idea, which this quote comes from. He 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 gives on like asking Mitch, I want to do this, I want to do this, I want to do this, and Mitch doesn't want him to do it. He's like, I'm, I got six months to live. I got six months to live. He keeps bringing that up. He's like, we're all dying. Some of us faster than others. Like, who who cares, you know? He's just like, I'm just going to knock on the door and, and see if this guy can give me some information. Right. Or he wants to spook him into making a phone call exactly. that Marcus can listen to, or if who Obrecht calls when he's a little spooked. Because this guy from Interpol, who's Hurley is posing as, knocks on his door and says, hey, I'd like to talk to Obrecht about some, you know, issues Interpol is looking into. Well, once Obrecht's guards pass that up to him, who's Obrecht's first call? Whoever he's masterminding this plot with or his contact. Right. And then Marcus can listen in. But while they're there, who do they see but a car full of Pakistanis? And that's when they get Kasim. And this allows, that's when they get Kasim, which allows them to, he becomes a defector. They then trek through, you know, come in a back alley through the Pakistani border, ascend on Durrani's compound. Marcus launches the drone. Marcus launches the drone and Mitch takes Rickman out. First his dog. First the dog, right. <laughs> and then he then he takes uh, Rickman out. Right, he wants Rickman to... To see the dog die. And this is going to be the guy that haunts Mitch from the grave. Like, Well, that that's Kyle's genius. Mitch should have let him live. Should have brought him back. Well, we're going to see what Kyle does with the story. But Kyle basically has a lot to work with here, right? You've got Kennedy who just blackmailed into Senator Ferris. So Senator Ferris has to be on her side. Got all that stuff going on. And then Kennedy also at the end says, what should we do now that we have Louis Gould, yet we also have information that this banker, Obrecht, was involved. We brought down Durrani. He was one piece of the puzzle that we kind of, you know, we closed that loop. And we killed Rickman, so Rickman can't spill any more of his secrets. Well, Kyle realizes Rickman was so smart with these insurance policies, and he Mm. even says to Durrani, you can't backstab me. I've got a string of lawyers out there. If I don't check in with them at prearranged times, 
they're going to put in the public and send to the media these these secret files that I've arranged, kind of like Stansfield, always having your secret files. If Rickman is dead, those files get released and the public will learn all of these secrets that Rickman has. Rap doesn't know that. And Rap kills him. And how smart it is, Kyle, to take that one line from Vince and that's going to play out in The Survivor. Love that. Because Rickman can't make his uh, prearranged check-in time with his lawyers. He says he's got a, a system that automatically the lawyers will release this information and... We'll release it. That's part two of the story. Thanks to Kyle. It's set up pretty well. Yeah. I get, The one thing we didn't mention was uh, Mike Nash right. comes back in this right, book. Right, right. He gives some oversight at the vet in Afghanistan. I think he brings in a QRF team where he's organizing... You know, the support to to get Rapp and Coleman and Louie off the roof. And McReaver. Oh, and Kennedy says, I want McReaver's body back. That's a threat to the Pakistanis. She does say, you know, or to everybody, even the Taliban, she says, I want, I'm getting McReaver's back. Yeah, and there's this interesting play with between him and Irene and him and Mitch where it's like a continuation of the feelings they had for him in the last time we saw him in... um. Not extreme measures, but what's the follow-up to extreme measures? Pursuit of honor. Okay. So where, you know, he doesn't want to do what Mitch wants, all this killing and, and stuff like that. So Vince is continuing on this path with, with him, and he's, you know, he's now a higher up. He's he's in, in, in the politics. Right. Uh, there's even like this weird exchange between him and Irene right. in the hospital where... He, she asks him to do something and because he doesn't like respond right away or he, 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 he thinks that's too brash he questions her she's like fine and turns around and goes to scott and scott like yes ma'am right i'll get on her right away she you know? kennedy wants nash once they found out about joel wilson and joel wilson at the hospital tried pulling his weight and saying, I'm going to investigate the CIA. I know you guys have been stealing, embezzling the reintegration money. I know you guys have been taking it yourselves, giving it to the Taliban. Kennedy's very fishy with this Wilson. And she asks Nash, can you look into it? Look and into Nash him. kind of says, well, that's the FBI. We we can't you know, spy on the FBI. Okay. And she goes, I'm, I'm ordering you to do this. I did not want you to question my orders. And Nash says a second time. I don't think that's something we can do. Have we taken it to the president or have we taken it to whomever? And that's when Kennedy's like, I'm done with you. She literally sidelines Nash. She completely pushes him out of the picture, turns to Scott and says, can you bug Wilson? He goes, done. And just a few chapters later, it's pretty genius. And it's a nod to term limits. Scott goes to a back alley, actually in Aurora Highlands. Aurora Highlands. Right in Pentagon City, where you you didn't live in that apartment, did you? I was in that apartment no, with Tom. That's where Joel Wilson lives, and that's where he meets secretly in an in an SUV with Senator Ferris, feeding the dog le- Senator. The treats. That's a total yep. ter- nod. It's a nod to term limits. He knocks out the dog, and while the dog is eating his treats, he puts a, puts a, a bug on on his collar. He bugs his collar so he can listen to all the conversations he has with Ferris. And Nash wasn't willing to do it, and Nash didn't have that in him, and Nash wanted to get permission and, you know, make sure it's documented, and 
we've seen that Nash's transition to the bureaucratic safe life, which was necessary to protect his family, right? After pursuit of mm-hmm. honor, his family was kidnapped, right? Directly in jeopardy. One of his kids, Mitch, Mitch basically says, we can't involve him in the same shit you involve me in and you call Scott into. And Kennedy here straight up sidelines Nash. She's kind of kind of upset with him. Yeah, he pretty much gets relegated the rest of the book. I think he he's in charge of interrogating Gould a little bit. She tells him to like leave when when she comes in. Like she very much sidelines him. We we don't really see him at all. And I'm I want to pick up on like where this is going in the next couple books to see like right because I I want to know where Mike Nash is. You know? I I want to know where he is. I honestly forget what Kyle does with Mike Nash in his first three or four books. So I wonder if Kyle picked up on what Vince did here because we've talked about how Vince was so intentional in this book in so many different things that either he closed the loop on, you know, bringing Louie in, bringing Doc Lewis, bringing Hurley back. This was kind of a loose end where is he really, Vince, closing the loop by saying Nash and Kennedy are not going to see eye to eye moving forward? Mm-hmm. Is this something where he says Rap and Nash really don't work well on ops together because I think even one point rap even says, what about Nash and Kennedy's like, we're not, he's, he's not involved in this or something. So I I wonder, is that another breadcrumb from Vince of where he saw Mike Nash's relationship with Kennedy rap and the CIA going? I don't remember if Kyle dives into that in the survivor or in order to kill or enemy of the state. Yeah. I need to, because then he's not he's not brought back up in is he in red War? his his wife yeah he's not really his wife is brought up in in total power that's right um and he's not brought up in lethal agent I don't think so yeah I want to when we reread these let's let's see what happens to Mike right. Nash because I'm, I want to know where he, you're where right he though is. Maggie is living in Manassas in total power she's at one of the or and yeah with the compound and Skip is at at the compound too right yeah Skip is too so we yeah. know Skip and Maggie Nash are still somewhere in the universe of Kyle Mills. Yeah. All right. Well, I think it's that time. Um, winners and losers, baby. Who's your winner, Mike? Man, there's only one winner of this book, and it is Vince fucking Flynn. Mm, that's that's a good one. I can't get over what he pulled off in this book. It's so different, right? This is. It's very different. It is, it's a very different book, I think. How it is not. I don't know if I read. It's this. not very actiony. I don't it's know. It's not very yeah. like. I don't know if I would have said this is a Vince Flynn book if you gave it to me with no author on it. I'm like that is a fucking killer Mitch Rap story. There was just a few things that I wasn't sure were Vince, but it's because he went to another level. He was on another plane. He was he was beyond Vince Flynn. He was he was Vince Flynning Vince Flynn like. That's how good it was in what he was doing and pulling together. It, it was just off the charts. It's something bold. It has some statements in it. We've, we've talked about a lot of them here on the podcast. And it just makes me want to tip my hat to him all the more and what he was able to pull. God damn it. I just, this book <laughs> means so much to me. This I, I I forgot it. Like, if you asked me before we started this podcast, what are your top five favorite Mitch Rap books? 
I honestly don't know if I would have mentioned this one. And thanks to this podcast and what you and I are doing together, this is my second favorite Mitch Rat book. I'm saying it. It is so freaking good. It was amazing just what Vince was able to pull off. You are the man. You are the winner of this book to a full life. To a full life. How about for you, Chris? What What's the winner? Yeah, I I also had Vince Flynn. It, it's got to be. But if I had to, you know, do a little bit of parody for the for the podcast to be different than you, I'd have to say Irene. We see a different level of Irene because we've seen a couple books now where she hasn't really either been there or we saw a deep dive into her when she got taken and then she sort of got sidelined and we true. saw her backstory. I don't know, but in this one, we sort of get a different view of her. You know, I guess Mitch is the main character of this book, but Irene takes a very central role. And we might even spend more chapters with her because Mitch is in the hospital. You know, like, I don't know. And just like the scenes with her and watching the the interrogation footage and being in her mind and how she thinks and how she actually cares about her people. Um, and then just the badassery, like laying the smackdown to Wilson, the smackdown to the ISI, the smackdown to Gould, and the smackdown to Nash, and the smackdown to Mitch and and Hurley. Like she, she's I am in charge. Yeah. Like remember that. Not you. Not him. Me. What I say goes. Right. I don't know. I I thought she was great in this book, and so she's my winner. I a hundred percent agree. But, Vince is definitely the winner because this book is amazing. It's all right. I'll, you said top two. It's it's top three for okay. me. Okay, it's top three. For me. I know. I know. Consent to kill for you is up in the top three, which most everybody would agree with. So that makes sense. That makes sense. I I love this, Consent to Kill. I I, I can't right. I can't rate this but higher than Consent to Kill. Right, right, right. This book is so it's it's intellectual. Like you said, the way we were inside Kennedy's mind. This is I would say this is the most academic or intellectual book Vince mm. wrote. Yes. So, a masterpiece. So wait, what's your masterpiece? What's your top book? Memorial, Memorial Day? Day. Yeah, I, I, I was actually almost. Maybe it's just the emotion of reading this book and knowing it's the last one from Vince that we'll get to cover on this podcast. Maybe I'm a prisoner of the moment. Just I'm living it right now and, and loving every moment of it. But I almost wanted to put this tied for first. I just Memorial Day does. I think something a cut above in terms of the action. So I, I, I kept that one up there, but this is an a a plus. This is up there. Yes. Any, any losers though, you know, we have to do our due diligence and just, if it has to be said, it has to be said. Mm. What would you nitpick if you, if you had to find something here? Ooh, that's hard. It's such a complete. I I do have one. All right. We'll give it to me while I think. And I'm curious if you'll agree with this. And it's not the characters. Usually that's my thing I say at this part. Q Martini going off about too many characters <laughs> jumbling the story. Nope, not at all. This one is, I, I think there's a major inconsistency in terms of the arc of the entire Raps saga. And that is when Raps persona, Mr. Cox at the hospital, actually fools everyone there. They don't recognize who Rap is, and they think they're treating some patient named Mr. Cox. 
there's a doctor who who's like, I don't need to know more. I I know some secret stuff goes on in this hospital, you know, because they're at Bagram. So I don't need to know who you are. But it's fucking Mitch Rapp. Like, separation of power happened. Like, we can't forget he was plastered all over the news. He, exactly. His face was out there. His name was out there. And his story was out there. So I think generationally, we're maybe removed where, you know, some enlisted, you know, younger people maybe weren't alive at that time. You know, we are almost 20 years later from American Assassin. But separation of power happened. Rap is in the history books. He was on the newspapers. Some people in that hospital would have known who he was, particularly a doctor or particularly this uh, Sheila lady. Remember Sheila Jackson at the hospital who just that's yeah, her hospital. She was, she was a great character. She lays the smack down on Joe Wilson, says, get the hell out of here. Are you messing with my patients? You don't go anywhere near Mr. Cox. And she actually uh, works with Kennedy. And Kennedy says, if you ever need anything or if you see that guy again, give me a call. Awesome character. But how does she not rep- recognize rap? Like, did we just forget that separation power happened? So that that's my only thing. It made me want the Mitch nah. Cruz days back where Mitch Cruz was this guy in the shadows. Mitch Cruz was this nobody. He was this mysterious figure. How do you have that when rap has been outed? Especially people in the in in the military person. Right. Because there's people other people in the military who uh yeah, and and even I don't know. You read a story about about that guy and you're not gonna forget him. You don't you forget know? it, exactly. You might not remember the picture but you remember the story and, and I feel like rap's name should spread like wildfire, you know, and people would know it forever. Yeah. That's a, that's a nit to pick, but yeah, I don't really have anything actually. I, honestly, I don't have anything. I, this is, that's bad critiquing on my part, you know, but I was going to say like the, the FBI plot is like sort of the weakest, but it had its points and, you know, it added some elements to it and it was different character nuances. I guess the fact that we don't ever see Hayek again, that's, that's a, that's a loser. I, I would like that's to see That's true. I did her. like Sydney Hayek quite a bit. Are you sure Kyle doesn't run with her? Because she would have been a great character to pick up. I, I don't think so. Kyle does but we'll create see. that BB Kincaid in the first chapter of the survivor. So that's kind yeah, of his own survivor spin on a new his female spin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. character. Well, Here's one that I think you convinced me on going from a loser to a winner. I almost was going to say the memory loss and rap going unconscious was slipping into one of my losers. I was wondering if it was misplaced or if there was a reason for it. But I think you convinced me that it it, it it's a signal of a new phase for rap. It's a signal of a moving on a rebuilding and it, and this book being so heavy needed a little comic relief. And exactly. the fact that Sidney Hayek and this very loopy rap with no memory could have this banter. I think I really like that now. So I'm going to take that off my loser list and say no losers for this one. Yeah, I think it, I don't know, maybe, and like I said, I, I could just be completely making it up in my head, but to me, it felt like it was just a literary tool to make, to allow Vince to write him differently in the future. Yeah. You know? Which is so. fair because it, it could happen. He was, he literally ripped a countertop, a Formica countertop off the, the vet's office 
hid behind it, uses it as a shield with a concussive blast, pretty much blowing out the first floor and killing all these guys with riot shields. So it makes sense that Rap's going to take some damage there. Like, he's still the same Mitch Rap, but he definitely thinks about the death of his wife differently right. and is like, oh, did I act like that? Oh, shit. And no, just, you know. It allows him to, to start fresh. We see him changed, obviously, with Kyle's writing. So. And, and Kyle, I think, is was attuned to that well and wanted to find creative, unknown ways that rap is affected and, and how rap can grow and change. And that memory loss scene, you know, gives license to that. It's like Vince giving giving creative license for Kyle to, to do that to rap. So I like it. Yeah, I think this will be a, a huge part of our next book, but... Kyle has done a great job picking up, especially not from the entire series, but definitely from The Last Man, like studying it meticulously in order to have it as a jumping off point and nail the survivor. Right. So I'm, I'm excited to get into that book next month. Absolutely. Or two months because we got uh, Enemy of the Gates in between. True. We are going to take a break in September from our regular reading list and bring you our breakdown of the newest book. So don't forget that. Before, however, yes. we do any of that, we do have to wrap up The Last Man with perhaps some people's favorite and certainly the most controversial topic on Mitch Rap Pod, hmm. and that is the covers. The covers. Judge a book by its cover. Judge a cover by the book? Ooh, there's our segment title. Judge a cover by the Judge book. Judge a cover by the book. There you go. That's it. Oh, man. Why did it take us 71 episodes to get to that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Give it to us, Chris. W what do you like here? What's the rundown? All right. So I have to go. I, I, my The one I personally have is, is A, which is the red sort of like an, an art deco version of mm. the running man, I guess. But, you know, you have this man, I guess in Washington DC, just sort of walking away. It, to me, it kind of feels like Vince walking yeah. away. I don't know. Yeah. Like that, that's, that's what, what I see when I see it. But B is a close second. I, I don't know. I, I like like these clouds and it's very ominous. What, what building is that? Mike, you're the geography guy. You know? It looks like dome of the rock. I'm not entirely yeah. I, mm, the shape of it. No, it isn't. It, it does appear like from a distance. It's the Dome of the Rock in Jerusalem, but you it think is it's not. a mosque. It's it's a it's a different mosque. Yeah, somewhere else. A different mosque. Yeah, it has that 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 shape though. And I'd have to say a close uh, third. My, so gold is A, uh, silver is B, and bronze would have to be E. I like yeah. this like. Uh, is it? Is it? It's hard, kind of hard to see if it's just his hair, or if it's like he's wearing a beret. But it's this guy looking off into like the skyline, and then there's someone like uh, a helicopter searching. And I imagine like this is the CIA searching for Rickman, maybe you know mm -hmm. when they're when they get into Baghdad or not Baghdad, Afghanistan. Um, so yeah, those are my winners. I like that. I'll pick up on the helicopter one. Because I was surprised to see a helicopter in four of the covers. D, E, F, oh, and G. I mean, 
we don't get a helicopter scene at all in this. No, book, we though. don't. The only one I can oh, think of no, is the, no, I guess the QRF, do. the quick reaction force coming in and airlifting yeah. them at the uh, the vet, the shootout at the vet. But and Mike Nash calls in, you know, special operations crew to get them out. I don't know. I yeah, I was caught off guard seeing helicopter so prevalent here. But the searchlight, you're right. Two of them, E and G, have a searchlight over the city. It look, definitely looks like a Middle Eastern city. So yeah, the searching for. For Joe Rickman. I'm guessing that's searching for Rickman. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah. I actually like that interpretation. So I'm going to say that's my bronze as well is cover E. And again, very isolated standing man looking off into the distance. You got to wonder if that's how Vince feels, you know, writing this book. And But I'm going to 100% agree with you on gold and silver. A and B. A is the classic. Loved your take on it. B is just nice colors. These, the blues. Yeah, I really like that color the scheme. The color scheme of those blues is fantastic. And the letters. The, letters, the pop. letters pop out all in this bright white on this cloudy blue background. And whatever city that may be, you know, definitely puts you in a hunt through the Middle East. So I really like those ones. Uh, although D, I'm going to give a shout out to D. It also has a, a, the last man right in the dead center, the silhouette of an individual looking off in the distance up at a chopper, you know, with looks like a sunset in the background with the bright yellows and orange glow. So also shout out for D, but I, I like these covers. Also H is interesting. It also has a helicopter. It's very That's like a, that. I don't know. This is this, instead of being like a, a fiction novel, this looks more of like, I don't know, some sort of, autobiography about Afghanistan right. or, or like some sort of history of, of the war in Afghanistan book cover. Um, what language is that, Mike? Do you know? That, and we've seen that format on H a little while for a few books now. That is Hungarian. Oh, right. okay. All right. All right. You said oh, it looks like movie I, I poster, like I think, this this uh It, it does like a series. It, it looks like a movie poster. Yeah, yeah, All right. I sure. is pretty sweet. And again, that's, I believe... The Thai version, which was the one I liked okay. for American Assassin, which had the bench, the man bleeding right, on the bench. bench. This yes. one is dark and eerie and ominous. Um, just a man in an overcoat walking down an alley with smoke and red lights glowing. I is just a pretty cool cover. I have no idea what it says, being in some foreign language, but... <laughs> That's a good look, too. Yes. You notice we didn't right. mention cover C because I'm not going to go negative on this podcast. I loved The Last Man. And it's not that bad of a cover C. This is probably the terrible. least right. bad cover C. Uh, still has nothing to do with the book. So, nope. um, Although it's, it's good to that. know, though, that the road does bend to the right and you can only, you know, it's recommended that you only go 20 miles per hour. So. At least we have that sign telling us, you know, we can only drive 20 miles per hour. So safety you know first. I'm going to say this could be the scene where rap is coming in into Pakistan, crossing the border. They don't got signs like that in Pakistan. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? It's an arrow that the road does this squiggly turn. They'd have to have those every five feet. The road's doing a squiggly turn at 20 miles an hour. Are you kidding me? Uh, you're right. Get out you're of right, town. Right. 
All right, it's it's still it, at least there's not a power line. There's no it. power. I'm lines. just happy. That's all. Good uh, book. No, well, that's that's our book. Great book. Great, Great book. chat with you, Chris. You had some really just powerful insights that uh, that I had not seen, and I bet a bunch of our listeners hadn't seen. So, damn, nice work on that one. Thank you, sir. I try. Well, we hope you enjoyed our discussion of consent to kill. <laughs> consent to kill. What am I, I talking about? It's been a long pod. <laughs> well, we hope you enjoyed our discussion of The Last Man. What a great book by Vince. And yeah, next time we come to you, we'll be giving you something. Don't quite know yet. Mike's going on vacation, so we had to figure that out. But uh, it'll be we'll great. Work it out. I promise you. I promise you. I don't know why I promise you. Never mind. Again, we have to thank our patrons. <laughs> you. I don't know why. I promise the folks our best effort. <laughs> we always we give our best effort. I. I promise you, some a effort. Okay. All right. We have to thank our patrons, our special operator Sherry F, our special agents George, Matt, Don, Dennis, Peggy, Catherine, Ray, Bridget, Jeff, and Mark. Subscribe, rate, and review using your favorite podcasting platform. Give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. Find us on our website at Mitrap Pod or using our Twitter handle at Mitrap Pod. And as always, just let Mitch be Mitch. To a full life. To a full life. Just a disclaimer, this podcast is not affiliated with Vince Flynn, Kyle Mills, or Simon & Schuster, but thank you to them for bringing us the wonderful world of rap. And the music soundtrack is Guerrilla Tactics by Raphael Crooks.